Open with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. You know, a lot of times it's interesting, the Lord shows me the, the simplest things are the best things. I think Jean used to say it. Maybe somebody told her, I don't know, plain things are the main things. The main things are the plain things. And uh, I would say amen to that. Luke chapter 14. We all know the Scripture. You could probably quote it with me. But let's look at verse, the end of the chapter, verses 34 and 35. Just read, read, read that with me. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so, we want to have ears to hear this morning, man. We want to have ears to hear what God's Word says. He says, you are the salt of the earth in Matthew 15. I'll just read it to you. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under the foot of men. So we're going to talk about this this morning. This is speaking about a born-again person. The salt of the earth, the light of the world in, in, in the chapter. And so this part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord is, is sharing. And, and we all know the Scripture. And we sing a little song as kids. You know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we talk about being salt and light. This is speaking about what the Lord speaks about the believer. Not someone who joins a church, but somebody that's born again. <clears throat> Ye are the salt of the earth. You might have even heard that phrase used before. When say somebody's a really good person, they'll say, oh, he's just the salt of the earth. Maybe that's an old-timey saying. I can't say I've used it much, but uh, I've heard it before. But as the salt of the earth, you are. You sitting here, if you've given your life to Christ, you are the salt of the earth. And as such, you and I are the only ones who truly know God whole planet full of people, only people that truly know God are the ones that know Him through His Son Jesus. We're born again, right? You're the salt of the earth. And, as, and the only ones who truly know God and the, are the only ones who can rightly represent God and His Son Jesus Christ to, before men. We can only ones that can rightly present Him, proclaim Him, represent Him. You know, we're not just uh, trained professionals to go out and have a, a convincing argument. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. We've been born again. If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're the only ones that know the Lord and the only ones that can rightly represent Him before men and bring other people to Christ through this saving Gospel. We have been given a ministry of reconciliation. Amen? So I just want to talk about this simple verse this morning. It's not going to be anything uh, complicated, but I know it spoke to my heart. I pray it would, the Lord would speak to your heart as well, to all of our hearts. But salt acts as what? It acts as a preservative. These are in no particular order. But salt acts as a preservative. I know that people can cure meats and pack foods and things like that in salt to pro prolong their, their life, so to speak, or their usefulness. And so, salt acts as a preservative to keep from decay, to keep from corruption. Well, that's what a believer is in the world. You talk about hell on earth when the church is raptured. We've been talking about it in Sunday school. 
when the salt and light is gone. Not that God won't be present and the Holy Spirit won't be on the earth, but if salt and light, people that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, maybe imperfect as we are, but we are the salt of the earth, amen, in the light of the world, when we were go- we're gone, that preservative will be gone. There will be no barrier. There will be no uh, obstruction. There will be no hindrance to decay coming. It'll move, it'll move quickly, and the darkness is going to fall quickly, very quickly, when the church is gone. Thank the Lord that those days of the tribulation are shortened because no flesh would survive. It's going to be dark in every way, morally and spiritually in every way. But salt acts as a preservative, and that's what the Bible says, what the Lord says we are, the believer is, in this world. Uh, salt adds flavor. And that's what the believer does, that, that we are to. Uh, to bring life. We're to bring light. We're to bring the Lord into every situation of life. The lost men and the saved men. Salt can be used to melt uh, to melt ice. Okay? And so, you know, on a lot of... We don't have the problem down here very often, but up north, you know, they salt the roads, don't they? They put salt on the roads. They scrape them. They have snow plows. They have a lot of different methods to keep the roads clean. But they put salt on the roads because it, it melts the ice or makes it harder for it to freeze. And it takes a, a colder temperature for it to freeze. Well, that's the same way a child of God, you're the salt of the earth. Okay? And God can use us to, by His love, by His Gospel, by the Word of God, by the Holy Ghost in us, to melt the hearts of stone that are around us. Okay? Family members, friends, co-workers. People that don't know the Lord. All these descriptions of salt, just in the natural sense, are very telling when it comes to the believer's place in the world. Uh, salt can be used to heal wounds. I'm not saying it's absolutely perfect or the best, but it's, it can be put into wounds to help heal an open wound or something like that. And, and the same thing for the believer. Jesus said that He was sent to this world. He was fulfilling the prophecy from the Old Testament. But uh, in, in Isaiah, God had sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Okay, to preach the gospel to the poor, to set at liberty uh, them that are bruised, and so forth. Preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, that's who. For as He is, so are we in this world. First John four seventeen, I believe. For as He is, so are we in this world, and we're sent to heal the brokenhearted. Salt basically describes y'all the God ordained office, I guess you would say, our position of the believer, our function or our place in this lost world in which we live. I say it all the time and you know it's true. We weren't saved and then instantly when we said Jesus come into my heart and we meant it, we didn't instantly go to be with the Lord. He's left us here. Somebody led you to the Lord. Okay? Somebody was salt and light that you observed. Not only observed, but they touched your life in some way. They prayed for you. Okay? Somebody prayed for you to get saved before you were saved. Okay? And, and that's what we are. That, that salt, you're the salt of the earth, describes the, the saved person's function or office in this world in which we live. Now, uh, the world esteems the believer. How does the world esteem Christians, true Christians in Christianity today? Pretty much the way it always has. Um, it can be with indifference. 
It can be with almost sympathy, like you poor, ignorant, you know, backwards people. It can be with scorn, ridicule, disdain, persecution. You can go up, down, up the ladder, down the ladder, however you want to phrase it, from just ignoring the church and the believer to persecuting the church. But the church is not thought of highly. We're ridiculed. Paul says we're the offscoring of the world. That's basically the waste. What somebody would sweep up and throw away. What you wring out of a dirty rag. That's how the world esteems the believers. Okay? Uh, and yet, God says we're here for a reason. I don't, I don't believe in self-esteem at all. But I do believe that we need to see what God has spoken of our lives that now that we're in Christ. The world treats us as a, a spectacle, Paul says. In other words, like something you pay money to go see in a show and laugh at. And they were. In Caesar's day, right? Rome burned at the stake. They were entertainment. They were thrown to the lions. Uh, and so Christians are not we're the lowest of the low in, in the world's eyes in many, in many ways. But God says we're here for a reason. Believers have a purpose. And He says you're the salt of the earth. It's part of our purpose. Okay, to me it just encapsulizes. There's a lot we could add to that. What's the purpose of a Christian on the earth? But salt, <laughs> the way we've looked at it, a preservative, a healer, and so forth, uh, it's, it describes our position. And y'all, we're not here. Don't feel sorry for us. Don't feel sorry for yourself that we're in the world and the world hates us. We're not powerless. We have been given the Holy Ghost. And so, it's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Greater is He that's in us than he that is in the world. So that we're treated that way, He says, no, I've got you here for a purpose. I have you here with a purpose and a plan to be salt. Go out and be salt, okay, of the earth. And I have you here and have empowered you to be everything that I've called you to be by the, by the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible, Jesus said, I, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Well, that looks like a bad deal there. I watch the nature shows, okay? Sheep in the midst of wolves doesn't look good, all right? I can't think of one weapon or defense mechanism that a sheep has. It's got to be one of the most helpless animals that you could think of. No teeth, no claws, no speed, no camouflage. Can't climb a tree, can't fly away, can't dig a hole. Just can't do anything. You know, can't shock you. I was just reading, there was some new species of, of electric eel that was found. It can send 850 volts. It was way stronger than the other ones they found. It's got serious defense. I've seen where one of these crocodiles bites the, uh, the eel and the eel shocks it and the crocodile dies, you know. But I mean, what defense does a sheep have? It has nothing. And the Lord says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. You know what that's describing? It's describing our conditions. It's describing what, what we're getting into, our environment morally and spiritually, how we're living. It doesn't describe, but he says, I'm with you. Hello, I'm with you always. That's, that's the compensation for that. Sheep in the midst of wolves doesn't look good, but he doesn't leave it there and say, now go on and get, you know, send you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. He says, I'm with you. Greater seed that's in us than he that's in the world. I've made you the head and not the tail. 
uh, we're more than conquerors through him that loved, uh, loved us and so forth. And, and so he tells us in his word. So I would say don't feel sorry for us. But he goes on to say, if the salt has lost, loses its savor. So we're thinking about salt right now. The salt loses its savor if it doesn't have to. But if the salt loses its savor, he's making quite a statement here about it. Savor means it's essential saltiness. I mean, that's all that that means. The salt has lost its savor. Essentially, it's makeup. What made it salt in the first place? If it's lost that, those qualities about it that made it salt in the first place, the healing, the preservative, so forth. If it's lost that, he says it is henceforth or thenceforth good for nothing. That's what Jesus said. Now we're talking about salt as being a true believer. Because I don't think a churchgoer is the salt of the earth and the light of the world. A true believer, if the salt has lost its saltiness, it's, it's worthless. To me, that's a true believer who loses his or her effectiveness for Christ. And we'll talk about how that happens, could that happen, why that happens. But, but basically right now, I believe that's saying a true believer that has trusted Christ, they've lost their effectiveness for Christ. They've lost their testimony for the Lord. They've lost for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord says that he or she will be useless or worthless on this earth as far as to the purpose that God has called them. As far as the function of being salt and light. Doesn't mean they're not loved by God. Doesn't mean they're not saved still. To me, this is a person, the salt that's lost his savor. It says it's worthless. They, they're, they're worthless and it, of, of no use, of no value as far as to God's purpose for, their, for his or her lives or my life. That God saved us to, that God called us to. And even to the point of being trampled under the foot of men. Well, I thought we were the head and not the tail. I thought they were more than conquerors. I thought we were like Christ on this earth. I thought we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover when he cast out demons. That is, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. That's what he says. But he's, and that's the salt and that's the light. But he's saying here, if the salt, salt has lost its essential saltiness, what made it salt in the first place, what made me salt in the first place was Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But I can, uh, well, let's talk about what, what are some things that could cause us to lose our savor. First of all, he says, if the salt loses its savor, and our life is to be, as the savor is to be unto Christ. In some places that's used for the sacrifices that were made, say animal sacrifice, a burnt sacrifice, when, when Noah got off the ark and his life was spared and his family was spared and God kept his covenant and his promise and the waters receded and they were safe and all the animals came off and now here's this fresh new earth that they're told to replenish in. And that the Bible says that Noah took some of those clean animals that were on the ark and he made a sacrifice to the Lord, a burnt offering. And it was unto the Lord a sweet smelling savor. Our life is to be a savor to the Lord. And I just want to read this quickly, but uh, 
Paul says this in Philippians 4, the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. 2 Corinthians 2.15, for we are unto God, listen, a sweet savor of Christ. Back unto the Lord. We are unto God, a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and them that, them that perish. So I would put the, the salt in context with this as well. If the salt has lost its savor, that pleasing life back unto the Lord, okay? It's honoring to Him. Our redeemed lives are to bring Him praise and glory and honor. We can lose that. I'm not talking about losing our salvation. I'm talking about losing the, the, the Christ-like qualities in our life and love for the Lord that brings Him such glory. So let's talk about it for just a second. That word, lose its savor, I looked it up because I like to know exactly what I'm talking about. Lose its savor. You know what it actually means? It means to become dull. So here's salt. I sprinkle my seasoning on my food. I want to bring out a little... You know, especially on vegetables or something that I'm not, maybe not crazy about. And I'll, and, I'll, and I'll sprinkle them on there and it makes them taste better. Or, or mashed potatoes or something, red beans and rice that maybe doesn't have a lot of flavor. And you put it on there. And uh, if it means lose its savor. Salt losing its savor means to become dull, to become stupid. This is the actual definition in the Greek. Strong's Concordance. To become foolish. And one of the definitions was a blockhead. Okay, and I'm thinking, wow, this is in the Greek, you know. Uh, so that's what's talking about when it says the salt has lost its savor. To become dull, to become foolish, to become stupid, a blockhead. Okay? And so what, would, what could cause a believer that really is salt and light? Because it had to be salt to lose your savor. Okay? You had to really be born again to lose and to walk into this foolishness and become dull. What could cause a true believer to lose their effectiveness for Christ? And I don't know that I have a, a complete list. I'm sure I don't. These are some things that the Lord put on my heart. What are some things that could cause a true believer to become dull? A true believer that is salt to lose its essential saltiness. It could be that we get carried away with the cares of this world. We just get carried away with the cares of this life. Not necessarily, and probably not, in and of themselves sinful things. Just carried away with life. Still a Christian, still a believer. Can, can you not be carried away with life? Are there not times in your life we're more than we, we would like to admit where we're carried away. We just get swept away in the schedule. The schedule is running my life and I'm not running anything. Uh, life is running me. I don't feel like God's running me. I feel like life and what my next appointment is and my busyness and finances and trying to make ends meet and so forth and the kids' schedule and so forth that we just get caught up in that. And I think that could cause us to not lose our salvation, but I think it could cause true salt to become dull, to lose its essential saltiness and say, hey, you're the salty there. I sprinkled you at work to be a, a witness for me. I sprinkled you in your family and at your school. 
to be a witness for me. And your, some of that per personal time you have to be a, a sweet smell and savor back unto me. To lift your hands and walk around your house and, and sing. Or walk in your backyard and sing at the top of your lungs and lift your hands to me. And we lose that. Cares of life can do that. Okay? Cares of life. And we can lose sight of what's really important. And we sing, Jesus, be the center of it all. He is to be the center of it all. I can do it and I do it. I lose sight of what's most important. What's another thing that could cause a true believer to, uh, salt to lose its saltiness? We could leave our first love. Not walk away and go to another God. Not walk away and go to atheism. But as far as our passion for the Lord. And, and these all kind of overlap. Okay? We, our devotion to Christ. We could, we could step away from that and somehow or another... Other things have our heart and are more important to us. Jesus wants to sit on that throne. There's no other place for him to sit. He's not going to sit on my right shoulder, like you know, Mr. Bluebird on my shoulder, the old, you know, Disney thing. He he's going to be in my heart, and he's going to reign and rule in my heart as as our first love. So maybe we allow this world to rub off on us. Here's another way a salt could lose its savor. We're dulled down by the sinfulness and the corruption and the worldliness around us. Does not necessarily mean that we're partaking in all those things. Okay, maybe we start to though. Maybe our heart wants to go after some of those things. Maybe we try some of those things where we came clean out of them. That's why I always think about my own testimony and I don't want to bore you with it. But when the Lord called me out, I was a Christian right in and in it all in the sense of the, the worldliness. And when He called me out, He called me out of it all. All of it. Not 50%, not work my way out of it slowly, but to come clean out. And that's why I have a, such a disdain when I see it in myself, okay? Or in another person wanting to go back to that. It makes me mad. It makes me mad at myself and it makes me mad at another person that truly knows Christ. Why in the world do you want to go back? He brought you out of that. You know that there's nothing there. But sometimes a believer, the salt can be dulled down and lose its and be foolish, okay? And we start to compromise. We start to compromise. Maybe we're not full blown into something, but we start to compromise in our attitudes, our, our convictions, our stands for the Lord, and so forth. And, and I believe it dulls us down. Salt losing its savor. Uh, maybe we fail to remain little in our own sight, our own eyes, like we talked about last week. We get lifted up. Salt's lost its savor. It's not, it's not uh, attractive for the Lord anymore. And maybe, y'all, the salt can lose its savor because as believers we fail to testify of Christ before men. We've become ashamed of the Gospel of Jesus Christ because opposition is so great, the ridicule is so great, the opposing side is gaining so much steam and momentum and popularity uh, that we're, we're ashamed of the old hymns. We're ashamed of, of telling somebody about heaven and hell. We're ashamed of... You know, understand what I'm saying? We, we, we wouldn't say that we're ashamed, but the salt can lose its savor. We get dulled down. Because we're not testifying. I always remember Clinton saying it. You've heard me say it. He said, you better tell somebody what God's done in your life or there'll come a day you don't believe it yourself. 
better tell people how He set you free. Tell people the miracles He's done. But there'll come a day you don't even believe it yourself. That's salt losing its savor. We forget what the Lord has done. And we fail to testify before others what He's done. That's one thing I, I love about going to, to Parkview every Wednesday. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard sometimes and the kids are all over the place and, and morally and spiritually in every way. But I get to testify every week to these young people how God healed William of a heart murmur. I get to testify every week how God healed William of this eye disease. The doctor said he would be blind by the time he was in his early 20s and probably need a, a eye transplant. Uh, I get to tell people how He called me out of darkness into His marvelous light. And it helps me to testify, testify before men. I don't want to be salt that's lost its savor. I don't want to start taking on the worldly mindset. You know, just keep your Christianity under wraps. It's fine if you want to believe that. Just no, no mention at the workplace. Don't do it at the school. Just keep it here. They don't want you to just keep it there. They want it out totally. And they want to squash it out okay, and stamp it out. But I'm not called to be stamped out. I'm called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And so we want to testify before the Lord. Paul says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Every man. The, the, the atheists, you know, the mockers, the other believers, whoever it may be, the interested seeking person that you may get to lead to the Lord, whoever it may be, let your speech be seasoned with salt. Okay? That you may know how to answer every man. Every man. And so that to me has to do with our testimony, our lifestyle, our conversation, our boldness for Christ. We need to be salt that hasn't lost its savor. Okay? But if a believer has lost his savor, a couple of things that the Lord said, he's good for nothing. We use that, you're good for nothing, you know, whatever. Uh, he literally says, he or she is good, the salt is good for nothing. He says, you're the salty there. But if the salt has lost his savor, he's good for nothing. And again, I believe it's good for nothing in the sense of being effective for Christ. Our ministry. Uh, he's made us reconcilers of men. He's gave, given us the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to live for the praise and the honor and the glory of God before men. Privately and publicly, and so I, I think in that sense we could lose our we would lose our salt and lose our effectiveness for the Lord as being an ambassador for Christ, preacher and teacher of the word. We can lose our effectiveness for that, and good for nothing. We would be if the if the salt has lost its savor, it's not good for anything. If I as a, if if I as a Christian lost my salt, I ought to step down out of this pulpit. Till I repent and get things right with the Lord and restore. Because I'm not good. I may continue the office, the profession, okay? But yet, if I've lost my Savior, the Lord says, He's henceforth good for nothing. I think there can be repentance and things can be restored, obviously, with the Lord. But uh, I want to read a couple of scriptures here. Ye are our epistles written on our hearts, known and read of all men. For as, such, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistles of Christ. Well, that is what the salt is. It's not just words. It's what we are. We're the epistles manifestly declared 
to be these epistles of Christ. Okay? That's what's written on our hearts and in our hearts. And, and the Bible says, Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall receive power. Right? And you shall be witnesses. He doesn't say you'll go out witnessing. I know we've taught a lot on the Holy Spirit in our church and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But He says, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto Me. Okay? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we are to have that effectiveness for Christ. And He says, we are going to be that. We are that. We will be that. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will speak with new tongues. You will cast out devils. You will take this Gospel and preach it around. Okay? But if the salt has lost its savor, it doesn't mean that he's not salt anymore, but he's lost all those qualities that made it salt in the first place. You're good for nothing as far as what I've called you to be and ordained you to be and made you to be and empowered you to be. And we don't want to do that. And y'all, can I say this? And I know you know it's true, but such a believer, if you did picture a believer that lost his savor, salt that lost its savor, that actually is not only good for nothing, it's actually bad for something. In other words, to, to me, a Christian that's lost that the Christ-likeness and their love for God and their, their witness for Christ and their, maybe their, their behavior being Christ-like that's lost that is actually does more detriment and harm to the cause of Christ than just a lost person. Because everybody knew you were saved and they see you live in this way. And, and, and it, can, it can actually hinder men from coming to the Lord. We know that. We know of big examples of preachers that preached around the world and were very effective for the Lord. And many people did truly come to know Christ through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, through their ministries. And when they fell into some kind of sin, I'm just using that for an example, it caused the ridiculers to ridicule. It caused the mockers to mock. It might have caused the, the person on the fence. I don't know. Every individual is still responsible for their own Salvation. They can't use it for, as an excuse. But I'm saying it can cause harm. Paul even says that the name of Christ be not blasphemed. Okay? The way you live. Women live the right way in the home. Men live the right way. That the name of Christ be not blasphemed. And so we don't want to give an occasion. And so salt that's lost its savor can actually do harm for the name of Christ and, and it be a deterrent of people coming to know Jesus. Okay, I would say because of our unchristlike witness, if you want to call it that. And then he says you'd be trodden to be trodden under the foot of men. It's lost its savor. It's good for nothing. So what do you do for something that's good for nothing? We put it in a trash can and roll it out the road. He says, cast out and trodden under the foot or tread under the foot of men. And so this, as I said, the, the, the Christian pilgrim on this earth, which we are, and the Christians through the ages have been, the Christian pilgrim, pilgrim on this earth is already viewed with indifference, like I said at best, and disdain at, at worst, and persecution. But I think there's a special disdain for who the world looks at as being a hypocrite. There's a special disdain from a lost world looking at the Christian who they think is a joke. Because I know how they live and they live no better than I do. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? It'd be better to keep your mouth shut about Christ than to talk about Christ and live like they do. It really would be. There's just a special disdain. Again, they'll have to answer to God. The mockers have to answer to the Lord. They have no excuse. He's come to them. They've had opportunities and will have opportunities to give their life to Christ. But there is a specific, special disdain, I would say, if, if somebody, salt has lost its savor and someone in the world has observed this and watched this, they hear your conversation now and they see your behavior now and they say, that's a joke. That's a joke. You talk about God and how important He is to you and you were out drinking with your buddies and I saw you the other night just like I do with mine and you tell me how wrong I am. What a joke. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, your, your language, you're your losing your temper, you're cursing. You're just like everybody that I know. So now all of a sudden, you want to tell me that I need to give my life to Jesus or I'm going to hell? Get out of my face. You know What are you talking about? You're a joke. You're a hypocrite. And if people have a specific disdain for that, I'm telling you that they do. Either live for God and tell people about God or be quiet if you're not going to live for God. Don't open your mouth about Jesus if you're not going to live for Him to back it up. Ye are the salt of the earth. That's what we are. It's not what we do. What we do comes out of who and what we are in Christ. Now you want to tell them about Jesus? I can tell you this, when I was at LSU, if I had, when living in the world the way I was and I was saved, if I, had, if I had tried to tell one of my good friends in my fraternity or that I'd gone to high school with and so forth about Jesus, it would have been a joke. It wasn't time. God didn't let me. I didn't witness to anybody. Not one soul. After I got really committed my life to the Lord fully and came out, within 12 hours, I'm witnessing to my best friend. Okay? That lifestyle and our conversation and our speech has to be seasoned with salt. Not that I was perfect from that day forward, but I wasn't a hypocrite, if you know what I mean. And God, uh, the world has a hate for hypocrisy. The Lord has a hate for hypocrisy. And I would say this to you, and we're about to, to close. Don't ever let your or my Christianity become a joke. I know that sounds kind of you know, simple, but when Lot was talking to his son-in-laws, we know the story in Genesis, Abraham's nephew, Lot, pitched his tent towards some, uh, Sodom. Before you know it, he's living within the gates of the city. Sodom was wicked. God had to destroy it with fire and brimstone. The wickedness we saw in just a quick example about when the angels came and, and, and the, the people of the city, how wicked they were. And so the angels say, up, get you out of the city. Everything you have here and everyone you have here, get it out because the Lord's getting ready to destroy with a massive judgment this city. Get out. There was an urgency. They pressed upon it. So he goes and he tells his nephew, son-in-laws. All right? He tells his son-in-laws, we got to get out of this place. God is going to destroy it because of the great wickedness of the city. You know the story. You know what the Bible says. What was their response? They laughed at him. I think the Bible says they looked. He seemed to them as one who mocked or was telling a joke. 
is what it means. Why did Lot seem to his son-in-laws as one that joked, I believe, not because Lot wasn't righteous, he was true salt, I believe he, he was mocked at by his son-in-laws because of his lifestyle, because of his compromise. The Bible does not say that Lot committed any of those sins of Sodom. He was called righteous and just. But it says his, his soul, this righteous man was vexed from day to day by the filthy communications around him. He's spoken of in the Gospels. He's spoken of in the first or second Peter. And so his compromise to rub elbows with that society and environment when he didn't have to. Abraham didn't do that, did he? And I've always said that if Abraham talked to somebody, they wouldn't have laughed. They might not have believed, they might not have listened, but they wouldn't have laughed. I can tell you. They would look at Abraham and said, they'd have given some serious thought, even if they didn't believe and walked away, and didn't heed what he said, because Abraham believed it, and they knew he believed it. And they'd seen the God of Abraham in Abraham's life. We're talking about our testimony for the Lord. Don't ever let your testimony for Christ to be a joke. Don't let your Christianity be a joke. Okay? Or the butt of a joke or a source of ridicule. If somebody wants to hate you because they hate you, then they hate you. The Bible says we're going to be hated. I'll just read this. You know the Scripture. If you were of the world, the world would love His own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, Jesus said, therefore the world hateth you. Period. There's other Scriptures that go around that. But He says the world does hate you. But if the world's going to hate us, don't let it be because your Christianity is a joke. Don't let it be because you are a hypocrite. Let it be for the right reasons, so to speak. If you're going to be hated by a world that doesn't know Christ, let it be for the right reasons. Let it be because of your love for God. And they think it's nuts. Let it be because of your love for your fellow men and you've given of your time and your own money, hard-earned money to go on a mission trip or to, to, to pay for Bibles to send some, to someone because you want them to come to know Christ and they think it's idiotic. You live in a, you drive a broke down car and you can't afford new tires on your car because you've given all your money to buy Bibles to send to people. And they despise that. Let it be for that. You understand what I'm saying? Let people hate us because of how we love. And it makes them uncomfortable. And how we love people that they don't love. And we love our enemies and we love them when they ridicule us. Let them hate us for that. But don't let the world hate you because you're a hypocrite. Because your salt has lost its savor. And you have no effectiveness on this earth. Or I have no effectiveness. We don't want to be hated because we're salt that's lost its savor. Be hated because your life brings conviction upon their sin. You understand what I'm saying? Just you being around them, they can't stand it because they're living in darkness and you're living in light. And they're convicted just by your presence being there. That's That's okay. The Lord says that's the kind. But don't be hated because you're a joke. You talk about Jesus all the time. You tell me I'm going to go to hell and I hear you talking worse than I talk. You're no better than I am. And they mean it. You know, you're no better. Your lifestyle, your conversation, what you do is no better than me. You worry more than I do. Talk about heaven and God's got you in His hands. And you worry more than I do. You understand what I'm saying? Don't be salt that's lost its savor. If we're going to be hated by this world, which Jesus said we would be, let it be because of our, our 
We're unspotted from the world. We're separated unto God. We love who they don't love. And we love God with all of our hearts. And, we, and it's obvious. You understand what I'm saying? Let, let it be that. We're going to bring this to a close. But let me say this in closing. That you and I were not saved by faith in God in, in Jesus Christ, washed in His soul-cleansing blood, baptized in the Holy Ghost in fire in order to be a closet Christian or to be ineffective or to be salt that's lost his Savior. He didn't do all that for me to make me salt who's lost its essential saltiness. That's not what I'm called to be. To make it to heaven one day when I die but yet have no effect on this lost world while I live. You understand that, right? We weren't saved just to go to heaven. We were saved to have an effect. That's what salt does. It has an effect. Healing. Preservative. Flavor. It, 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 it brings those things. It, it is those things. I'm going to read one more passage. Y'all turn with me. We know it. We probably could quote it. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14. Part of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 14. Ye are the light of the world. He just said before, you're the salt of the earth. Now he says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which in heaven is in heaven. It's not about me. It's about the Lord. And the glory that's derived from letting my light shine is to let other people glorify God. And so in this passage, he makes it very clear. He does not say, all right, you're a believer, go create your own salt and go create your own light. It's not what we're called to do. I don't have to produce my own salt or my own light. He says you are the salt of the earth. You're born again. You are the light of the world. Because Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And He lives in us. I'm only light to the extent that I'm born again and the light of the world lives inside of me. Now, don't go create your light. Let your light so shine. That means I need to get Randy out of the way and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to be seen in my life and to live through my life. Uh, We're not saved to be powerless. We're not saved to be ashamed of the Christian. We're not... Christians were not to be uh, saved to be carnal Christians. We're to let the light shine. We're to be the salt in the earth. Openly, publicly, manifestly declared to belong to Jesus before men through our speech, which is seasoned with salt, and through our lives, which loves with the love of the Lord and is holy and separated unto God. Filled with His Spirit. This is how uh, we're to live. Can I tell you that the believer, a true believer, is to have the most profound effect upon this earth. And I have to take account of my own life. Am I just taking up space on the earth, basically? You know, all the, all the environmentalists, your carbon footprint and all that kind of stuff. Am I just taking up space on the earth? But, because I'm supposed to be the salt of the earth. My life as a redeemed, spirit-filled believer is to have a tremendous, wonderful effect upon men around me. Healing, preserving, adding flavor, melting the cold hearts of men. The Bible said of Paul and Silas when they were in um, 
Thessalonica, I believe, that, 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 and they were rejected for preaching the Gospel by the Jews there. And the Jews says, those that have turned the world upside down have come here. They turned the world upside down. How They were hated by some. They were stoned. They were in prison. They were beat. They had stripes on their backs. Oh, they were ridiculed, spat upon, the offscoring of the world. And yet, they had a profound effect. There was a church that was started. You know what I'm saying? There was a, a world that was reached with the Gospel. And some believed. And they're in heaven today. They had a tremendous, profound effect upon the earth and upon their lives. They turned the world upside down. And you and I are to have that profound effect upon this world around us. Now I want to close with this. There's a story, uh, an account. I don't want to call it a story. It's a real account. I I quote a lot from Ari Torrey and D.L. Moody. Ari Torrey speaks about uh, one meeting he had. He preached big evangelistic meetings. He was also a pastor of some big churches. And he was preaching one time and he was looking at a man that he knew on the front row who just the whole time just was in great despair and couldn't look up and was just obviously overwhelmed and grieved by something. So, Tory goes and talks to him afterwards. He knew the man. And, and he says, what's bothering you, brother so-and-so? And he says, I, I just don't know what to do. He, he says, my, my children are grown now. He says, I, I brought my children to the world and I can't get them back. And he, Tory said it's one of the most heartbreaking things. All his life he was a Christian, this man. And he had his children in church, but the focus and the emphasis was get a good education, be well-rounded, you know, in society and be known. and You know what I mean? All of the, the worldly kind of things. Not necessarily sinful. Now his children were grown and married, had families of their own, and they were gone. And they were gone from the Lord. And just like Lot, he said, I tried to get them back. He went and told them about the Lord, the seriousness about serving God, and they laughed at their dad. This is a true story. I brought my children to the world and I can't get them back. To me, that salt, that man that had lost his savor. And I don't know how the story ended, but I just thought how tragic and how sad that is. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, it says in Mark, Jesus said, wherewith shall it be salted? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. And so, D, you can come on up, but y'all, the, the, the thought here to me is that I didn't make this up. If Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, number one, but if the salt has lost its savor, it had it and it lost it, it's thenceforth good for nothing. Be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. We don't want to be that. We don't want to be salt. We are salt. We don't want to be salt that's lost its savor. And I think the savor has to be Christ, just like the light is Christ. It's, it's, it's everything that makes a Christian a Christian in the first place. A child of God. You see, an ambassador for Christ. It's the Lord in you. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. And the things that may have taken us away and dulled us down. Remember, lose its savor means to become dull. Stupid. Foolish. And we, we have become dull. We still belong to God. We haven't ex- accepted another uh, set of doctrinal beliefs. 
We still believe that. And we would say that we believe it. And we do believe it. But our life and our lifestyle somewhere along the way has left our first love and we've, we've gotten carried away and, and become dull. This is the only way I can think of it. And the Bible puts it way better than I could put it. But for you parents here, you don't want to bring your children to the world and then can't get them back. You know the statistics and you've probably seen them. I don't know. It's, it's like in, they're leaving the churches in droves in this day and age. When, when kids that are raised in the church are getting to 17, 18, 19, 20, high school and college age, they're leaving not to come back. They're leaving and leaving. And it has to be the Lord getting a hold of them that really saved them. They were really born again, baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because God says, don't leave Jerusalem until you're filled with this Spirit. And, and to walk and keep our eyes on the Lord every day. Put too much importance on sports, too much importance on, on academics and things. And those are not unimportant, they're important. There has to be a way. And if something's got to go, don't let it be God that goes. If something's got to give, then don't let it be God that has to, to give. Give up something and, and live for God. And your, your children will see that. And your friends will see that. And your coworkers will see that. Your classmates will see Christ in you. We don't want to be salt that's lost its savor. We want to be separated unto the Lord. Let your light so shine before men. It brings God glory. Amen? Father, we love you today. And y'all, these altars are open. We love you today, God. I'm speaking of myself. And I'm praying for everyone in this building as well and for this church, God. We don't want to be salt that's lost its savor and is no longer good for the anything for the, as far as the purpose of God for our lives, for being a testimony for Christ. That men can look at our Christianity and look at our testimony and actually ridicule it because it's inconsistent. Because to them, it's hypocritical. We're an actor. Jesus isn't real to us, they don't think, because they don't, they don't see the reality of Christ in us any longer. God, that salt has lost its savor. I confess, Lord, at times in my life that's been me, and maybe to some degree that is me now. I pray you set your people on fire not just with some emotional charge to last about half a day. But Lord, we take an inventory of our lives. Maybe it's been a long time since we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, you said, be not drunk with wine where there's excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Ongoing. Maybe it's been a long time since we witnessed to somebody. Maybe it's been a long time since the rivers of living water flowed from our bellies and out of our mouth in praise to God. God, I pray that You would revive and refresh us in that sense that we would truly be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, having the most wonderful effect on a lost, dark, sinful world around us. Paul and Silas were accused of turning the whole world upside down with the gospel. I pray I'd be accused of that one day, Lord. Help us, God. Strengthen us and strengthen your people, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.